Let us reopen our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7 for the words of the living God addressing husbands and telling them how they ought to take care of their wives. The Lord has addressed all five authority spheres in the Bible, telling those under authority how they should obey those in authority, and He has told those in authority how they should take care of those under their authority. 1 Peter 3, 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Let me go right into where we were. Honor that we owe our wives. Honor, which is respect, esteem, admiration, approbation, approval of them. Honor has no room for name-calling, sarcasm, or teasing, unless you have a very strong scriptural reason for it. I appeal to Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26, that using words like fool, being angry, without a cause, will put you in danger of the judgment and violate the sixth commandment, thou shalt not kill. Honor has no room for name-calling, sarcasm, or teasing. Your wife is your princess lover, and you shouldn't be doing those things toward her. You can help manage her duties to provide sufficient distractions. Give her some relief. Give her some rest and recovery. For it's been said, a father works from son to son. A mother's work is never done. So honor is backing off the pressure on our wives, just like we take it as honor when a boss takes some of the pressure off our lives by maybe saying, you know what, I'll take that project and assign it to so-and-so over here so that you don't have quite so much on your plate. We appreciate that when it comes from a boss, and a wise husband does that by honoring his wife as the weaker vessel. There was a men's meeting that we had a while back, called Managing Your Wife. And it really is about managing your wife's time uh, and the and the things that you ask from your wife. To remind you men, it had an oval in the middle of the slide and there were there's one talent wives and three talent wives and five talent wives. And here's that beautiful oval of some color. And we started down through the list of things that men want from their wives. Like, I want a domestic goddess. I want my wife to keep the house perfect. So you grab a hold of that oval and all the way down to the corner because for a woman to be a domestic goddess takes a considerable amount of time and energy and effort, especially if there's children in the house that are bent on doing the opposite of what she's trying to do as a domestic goddess. So that woman is stretched down in this direction. Then, some men want their wives to be a cash cow or to go to work, so grab a hold of that oval over here and stretch it into a different corner. I hope you men remember. Then, you know, that man wants his wife to homeschool the children. 
I want to add another career to your life, and that's to be a school teacher. So that's grabbing that oval and stretching in a different direction. And of course, every man wants to be married to the Shulamite. She's the woman in the Song of Solomon, so stretch her down here. So she's working a full-time job. She's teaching the kids at home. She's a domestic goddess. And at the end of the night, she's supposed to be revving all eight cylinders for you. Then she's a chauffeur. She serves the church. She does... I can't even... Forgive me for not even being able to remember them all because I didn't write them down. But it's this long list. She can't do all of them. And a wise man figures out, and that is why a survey has gone home to you husbands, what are your priorities for my time? Effort has been made in this church to help every couple think about their marriages. Because you can't get all those things. It's too much. She's the weaker vessel. And if you really want to know, what does that mean for me? It means she can't do everything. And you are hurting yourself by expecting her to do everything. And you're going to answer the Lord for expecting her to do everything when you can't do everything at the job that you have. And her work never ends. If there's children in the house, she's constantly worried about them, constantly having to attend to them. They're little bundles of obligation and responsibility. And so a wise man looks at those slides that we went through very carefully After that presentation was over, I had a woman or two suggest to me, why don't you convert it to dollars and cents? So, I said, your wife is worth a buck. Your wife has a dollar's worth of ability. And then I valued everything that men expect from their wives as either, you know, two cents, five cents, ten cents, fifteen cents. You know, having a wife work outside the house, that is big money. Not what she's earning out of your dollar. So a woman that's got a full-time job, you know, I can't remember what it was. I didn't write it down. Uh, but you end up in the hole. You have this dollar and you keep deducting. I want a domestic goddess. And whether I put 15 cents or 20 cents, you have to deduct that out of your dollar because you're extracting from your wife. And then if she's a homeschooling mother, you're extracting from your wife. And, oh, there's no money left over for the Shulamite. Well, then you need to change your priorities for her, depending on what you want. Unless you're the American eunuch. (laughs) It's just reasonable. It's reasonableness. Remembering she's the weaker vessel. Managing your wife on our website. Because of body insecurity and desire to honor you, let her do her nails. Let her use the tanning bed or use other things like that that make her feel better about herself. She she cares about that because it's intuitive to a woman that she wants to be attractive. And our whole society bombards us with the fact of women adorning themselves to get the attention of men's eyes. She wants to be attractive and she responds better. She's better. She's happier. She's more confident if you'll allow her to do some of those little worthless extras as men tend to think of them. They have their place. It makes the woman more confident, more thankful. You're honoring her because you're letting her make herself as attractive as she can be for you within reason inside the marriage. 
there's a degree of frugality that is cruelty. You can be too frugal with your wife and not allow her enough spending money that you're just cruel. Because you've ranked your priorities out of order. The wife deserves some money for herself. Some frugal types, I'd like to meet some sometime, didn't give their wife as much as they could have or should have. And it's just, it's, how do we honor them? I want to, I want to answer that because it's in this verse and some of you I appreciate at break time saying it was interesting to me and though I've read the verse many times I haven't noticed that it's the one in authority, the one that's in authority giving honor to the one under authority. It's in the Bible, brothers. It's right here in front of us. And so we honor them by giving them, does it say it in the Bible what I'm talking about right now? Giving her of the fruit of her hands? Does it say that in the Bible? It's the last verse of the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs 31 and verse 31. There are times you may compromise with your wife and honor her by compromising in some discussion about a matter of liberty that you don't really care about and you can give her her opinion when you ask for it. Remember, ladies, we don't want your opinions if we haven't asked for them. Just like our bosses don't want our opinions until they ask for them. But husbands, once they, once you've asked for their opinion, they give you opinion, you may compromise with your wife, and there are times that you should. I'm rolling, I'm rolling down through a list. If you work so much that you're seldom home, you are working too much. Especially in this country where it's too easy. And she knows you value the challenge, the money, or the praise more than her. Why do you even go to work? I thought we went to work for them. That means we want to cut the work off at a point to get home to be with the one that we're working for. So that we can spend some of this cash that we made. Because Ecclesiastes 4 says, the reward of your labor is to share with another person. Two are better than one for the first reason, a reward for their labor. It's more fun to spend it and spread it and enjoy it together than it should be just to earn it. Just going through a list of things, I've been guilty of all or many of them in the past at different times in different ways, and so have many of you, and you're willing to admit that. I just want to lay that out here before all of us. We work for her, so let's work to get home and spend some time with her. The work is not the end of our lives. Right. Now, it does it does put work up pretty high in Ecclesiastes 9.10, and I will not deny that. And I do spend my fair share there. However, it says, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of, thy li- of the life of thy vanity under the sun. A woman figures out, you know, that he'd rather be doing this, he'd rather be doing that, he doesn't really like being with me. And so you end up being with her when you have to be, because the day's over, you've worked your 8, 10, 12, or 14 hours, you've gone to school, you've come home, you crash into bed, well before you crash, you crash her, then you crash to sleep. And you haven't spent any real time with her, any quality time talking to her, listening to her, going for a walk and holding hands and smelling the roses with her and enjoying a few simple pleasures with your wife. That's honoring her. 
It's making her important rather than just a live-in that takes care of the children, cleans the house, makes the meals, and is ready for you when you want to go to bed and have lovemaking. If you are not romantic or selfless to please or entertain her alone from time to time and more often than you think, you don't deserve her. I could take every one of these and apply it to your work situation. If a boss never talks to you, never tells you whether you're doing a good job, never shares with you the goals of that department or the organization, you get frustrated and angry about an incommunicative boss. A wife needs that communication. She deserves that communication. It's how we honor a wife. If you are consumed with your children, you're distorted worse than a child-doting wife. Don't let anything come between you and your wife. That's the important relationship. That's the most important relationship. You should choose to do from time to time those things that she likes to do that you may not like at all. That shows her some honor. I know that you'd like to do this this afternoon, so let's go do it. And now you've got to sell her well because she already knows you don't want to. So... You've got to get over yourself and you've got to convince her that you really want to do what she wants to do that she already knows you don't like to do. It can be hard sometimes to make this sell. Because if you're a strong personality person, she's figured out, she hadn't figured out anything, she's heard it loud and clear that you don't really like to do that. But you can do it. It's honor. How do we honor a wife? It says giving honor. So how do we honor a wife? She's the weaker vessel. She's heirs together with us of the grace of life. Uh, we don't put too much on her plate. We don't demean her. Because she's our equal in, in God's sight except for the role of marriage. And so we do everything we can to show her some honor and distinguish our religion from the other religions of the world. I did a little bit of reading, and I'm not going to share very much of it with you, but the way the Muslims look at husbands and wives going to heaven, it is not pretty. You know what a you know what a man gets when he gets to heaven, right? Under his palm trees, his seventy-two virgins. The women in this church ought to love the the, the Christianity and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and how it protects them and honors them, and, and has verses like this in the Bible for their husbands. You avoid those things that embarrass her, shame her, or intimidate her, or irritate her when you can. There are little things that we may think that are manly and that we can justify before the Lord that someone needs a little bit of a tongue lashing. Uh, could be a fast food window or could be a driver in front of us and probably neither of them deserve a tongue lashing. But if the wife's listening and if you already know that it hurts her and irritates her, honor her. Shut it down. If you do not forgive your wife, with or without her apology, you're a foolish and a weak leader. Such a situation, where there's something in between you two, is your responsibility, for you're the conflict resolution manager. As I described earlier, sit down with her and, and see it to its conclusion, to where you're happy with each other, and it's never going to come up again. That is honoring her. Having that seething bitterness in her, in you, in both, and that elephant in the room and that unspoken irritation with each other 
is wrong. It's not godly. It's not right. It's, it's a violation of Colossians 3.18 of loving your wife and be not bitter against her. How quick and eager are you to confess your faults to your wife? You say, if, if, if I was to tell my wife that I'm sorry for something I did, that would just be giving up my authority. No, it wouldn't. It'd be gaining her respect. It'd be showing real leadership. Have you ever been around someone in authority, like on the job, when they did something wrong and they were man enough to be able to admit it and say, I'm sorry for doing that, it was wrong? Oh, that's the kind of man I want to work for. That's a good thing. And a husband should be willing and able to do that. Be quick and eager to confess your faults. You know the moment when you realize, she's right, I'm wrong. Tell her. Embellish it. Make it make it a big event. Humble yourself. It's honoring your wife. Do you have clear plans for your life and for your family that you've carefully determined? A man honors his wife by having plans for the family. A woman wants to be married to a man who's in charge and has plans and is going to take the family somewhere good. And I don't mean vacation. I mean take them good in the long-range goals for that family. That is honoring your wife. You know, there's so many men that just let life happen to them rather than managing life. And it's an embarrassment and a shame to our sex as men and to be a husband that doesn't do that. Take charge of your family and know where you're going. It's not that hard. Other men do it. You can do it. Take the lead to train children and plan their education, their employment, and their marriages. Take the lead. A woman loves to be a follower of a man in charge who knows where he's going and has the best interest of the family in his heart and in his mind. Be a good financial leader and manager to reduce stress of money manners from her. Women will tend to, to worry about money if it's short. If the checkbook is usually short for what's needed, they're going to worry about it. Then you've got to earn more or spend less. And you've got to take some of the responsibility for bookkeeping to take that pressure offer. That's a way to honor the wife as the weaker vessel. Be the family spiritual leader so the wife and children know they have a real man. This real man will sit down and read the Word of God. He will explain current events in the light of Scripture. He will tell us what is right. He will tell us what is wrong. He will pray for matters that are important, and He will bless God in front of us for blessings received. He will confess that He's wrong when the Word of God has exposed Him as being wrong. And in this church, things are going to be said where sometimes we have to go home and tell our families, I'm wrong. I blew it. I was a fool. Forgive me. I'm going to seek not to do that again. Be the family spiritual leader so the wife and children know they have a real man. That's honoring your wife. That's honoring the whole family. Maintain household peace. A man that honors his wife always makes sure she lives in a peaceful home. That there isn't this tension between children, children and her, children and you, that you settle matters and you keep a house that's peaceful where everyone is together, you're united, and there aren't these seething differences underneath the surface or above the surface. Be a peacemaker that's honoring a woman. She appreciates having that kind of a husband that will take care of those matters and address them and finish them well. Not just yell shut up when children are fighting among themselves. That isn't a man. That's an idiot. 
It means a man that can sit the family down, resolve the differences, and put them all at one again. You can be responsible for atonement in your family by putting everyone at one again. And a woman likes that. A woman doesn't like feeling her family getting all rattled when you're the one in charge and she's the supervisor. Just like when you were a supervisor or a manager and a department head or a company president would not make things clear enough and settle issues and differences, that upset you because you were caught in the middle. You had employees underneath you that were seething. You can get the drift. Take care of that for your wives. It's just, it's wonderful for a wife to know this ain't going very far because dad's going to take care of this and put our family back together and, and everybody's going to be peaceful and liking each other just in a few minutes. And I'm going to watch it happen. Learn to listen. Since your talking is only half or less of communication with a wife. Learn to listen. How do you honor a wife is what I'm answering by going through this list. How do you honor a wife? Listen to her. Wives, when he asks you what you're thinking, he doesn't care what you're thinking. I certainly don't care what you're thinking until he asks. Don't volunteer it. That is just rude. You'd be fired under any good manager because that is called answering again. So I just want to remind you, and yes, I'm a little intense about that because women that talk too much, the husband eventually doesn't listen to anything you say. For good reason. You talk too much. You have too many opinions. We don't really care. When he asks you, then you can speak. Now husbands, a loving husband that's honoring his wife will ask those questions. What do you think about this? Because she's going to have a different opinion on it. It may be more intelligent than your opinion. It may be more experienced than your opinion. And her female perspective on it may be better than your perspective on it. Ask her. Let her talk to you. Think through the way she's viewing it. Because the way she's viewing it may be the way that the majority of other people that are going to know about this event are viewing it. And you're the oddball. There's value in being slowed down a little bit from me rushing ahead in the way that I view things. You know, there's a lot missing from my view when I've got blinders on. But she doesn't have the blinders on because she's not as emotionally and personally and violently, cholerically involved in it. So when I ask, what do you think? It's really? But if you think about it, there may be wisdom there. And that's part of communication. And what's the real issue that we're answering right now? How do you honor your wife? When a wife knows that a husband's just listened to her? I like that. That's good. You're probably right. I'm a little too worked up about this. Thank you. Wow. She's been, she's just been honored. We can do that. Pursue her. Do you know that the Lord sometimes withdraws himself from us to see if we'll pursue him? If you read the Song of Solomon, you're going to find some pursuit and chases in there. Pursue your wife. Go after her. You know, some of you have been at couples retreats and heard some of my favorite stories about this, but I'm not going to tell stories right now. You ask your wife, how are you doing today? Fine. Please understand, and with all due respect, that's a four-letter word that starts with F. Fine. You know, she's trying to be a good wife, and she's trying not to bother you with her little problems. 
But uh, the, the only reason you asked what was wrong with her is because there's something wrong with her. It's not all fine. This is not very deep. But the wife will often say fine, just like you will to your boss when he walks past your office and says, everything going okay? Yes, sir. When you know that you're burning, you're burning up because you can't get everything done that you, you would like to get done for him. But pursue and prober. Come here, come here and sit down. I don't think everything's fine. You know I wouldn't have asked unless I saw some things. I know you pretty well. We've been married for 38 years. Uh, come on. What's bothering you? Then start to help her. Get her. Prime the pump. Well, is it this? You know, is it that? Because you know the things that might be bothering her and get her and let her tell you what's bothering her. That's honoring a wife. Show her that her feelings and thoughts are very important to you. Next point. Discuss the future with her so she has some direction. Discuss what you're planning to do with the future of your family, the marriage, your house, everything. Just let her know that's honoring her. Reminisce about the past with her. There's nothing wrong with guys reminiscing about the past. They, they like to do that. And we should like to do that. Let's go see the Lord's grace and mercy in our lives in both directions. If confrontation is necessary, do it gently, carefully, until it's fully resolved. Promote her friendship with other good women. That's nourishing her. That's helping her develop and grow and be a great woman. Frequently commend her good points. You love praise in the job? Don't you all love your reviews? When it comes back, five, 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 five. Exceptional performance. You like When emails go blasting out of your boss's computer to everyone else that works in the department, this guy is doing it the right way. What happens to you? Do you take the afternoon off or do you work twice as hard as you were that morning? Honestly. Do you know, do you know how you react to praise? It lights you up. I know that your bosses could jumpstart all of you tomorrow morning if you were to walk in there and get a little tiny bit of a raise, a little tiny bit of a promotion, an email go out praising you to the rest of the department, he would jumpstart your whole week. When was the last time you jumpstarted your wife who's got a job that is seven days a week and it's 24 hours a day if you've got children at home? Okay. Thank you. I understand. You understand. We understand together. Overlook small mistakes. That's how you honor the weaker vessel. She's going to make some. You don't want your boss picking on every single little thing you do wrong. Don't expect too much of her. Praise her in public. Be your best for her. Be your best. Be, your, be the politest. Dress yourself as well as you can. Shave once in a while. Bathe once in a while. Be your best for her. Manage your body weight. You honor or dishonor your wife based on how overweight you are. All these different things. We want to honor our wives. Lord, help us to do better in all these points. Win her family's affection. That honors a wife when you win your in-laws. Praise her to your children. Share your experiences with her. Avoid comparing other women. I've mentioned that. Give liberty for outside pursuits if possible so that she can have a little bit of relief and get away from what she does all the time. You get away. You get to go to work. 
It's not I have to go to work. You get to go to work. Because there's this at home. And it hurts. Children I'm talking about, not Sherry. Oh, I loved all of you children. But it's just noise. You get to go to work. You get to go to work where somebody praises you, somebody pays you, and somebody tells you in just a few weak, pitiful hours, you get to go home now and forget about us. But she never gets to go home and forget about it. Just This is how we honor our wives as the weaker vessel. Keep your house repaired and attractive. It's her home. It doesn't matter if you think it's utilitarian enough for you. It's got four walls and it keeps most of the rain off. It's her showpiece. It's her, it's, she spends all day there and all night today and tomorrow and yesterday and the next day and the last day. So make it special for her. Help her make it special. You say it takes money. Well, then stop spending for other things. Manage your money well to be able to do those things for. Be a man and work more than play. You want to honor your wife? How much time is there for video games when she's working hard? Remember, stretch, 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 stretch. And you're playing video games. You're out picking up some hoops. You know, a couple of hours worth. You're on the links for a couple of hours. Spectator sports for a couple more hours. Uh Uh-oh, she's married a boy. Be a man and work more than play. And remember that she's the weaker vessel. So you got to have, you're having mercy on yourself. The the Lord knows something about ourselves. When you read Ephesians 5, did you figure that out? That the Lord knows we're very merciful to ourselves? No man ever yet hated his own flesh. So we're always protecting ourselves. That's a law of the Bible. Well, while you're out there protecting yourself, have you given your wife equal or more, since she's the weaker vessel, in time for her to play video games with her friends? Or to go play basketball? Or to watch spectator knitting? (laughs) Whatever. You know what? It's the weaker vessel. How do we honor the weaker vessel? Lord, you know, I'm on the wrong end of this whole thing. I wish I was where you are, and you were here, and I was 19 years old. (laughs) She didn't say amen, so the day is good. (laughs) But listen, let's embrace this. Just think about that. All these things you're expecting from your wife, you're playing. Let her play. And she should play more than you play because she's the weaker vessel. That's how we honor them. Spend time with her over your buds. When you have free time and you spend it with your buds, and I don't mean another flower, I mean your buddies. Spend time with her over your buddies and let her know that you'd rather be with her than your buddies. You just got to get them off your conscience for another week or a month or year. Remember that. You're honoring your wife. Does he really like to be with me? How can a wife know that you really like to be with her? The value of anything is determined by what you will exchange for it. 
Defend her at all times from any challenges or attacks by children, family, or anyone else. You always defend your wife. She is yours. God gave you to her to protect. She should never feel defenseless. She should never feel exposed. She should never feel threatened or frightened. You be there for her and crush anyone that touches your wife verbally or there's antagonism going on in the home and the children are are pushing her around and saying things that are disrespectful, you defend her. Remember that too much frugality can be cruelty by putting too much stress on her to have to buy much with little. She can't multiply loaves and fishes like our Lord did and uh, only criticize her for the big things and only then when they're really necessary to criticize and remember that you don't like being criticized at all. Wise men know that a little compromise and a use of love and tenderness can easily win the wife. Wise men learn that. In preparing for this, I had forgotten this particular event in the Bible. When David wanted to move the Ark of the Covenant out of that house and put it in a, in a, temp, in a, in a tabernacle that he had thrown for it, there are four verses in First Chronicles chapter 13 where he sent out a letter to the nation of Israel asking them if they thought it was a good idea. Now, you all know David from the Bible, don't you? He had his own ideas, and he knew they were good. And he knew that he wanted to do exceeding magnificent things for the Lord. But there are four verses, First Chronicles 13, 1 through 4. David sends out this letter. What do, you, what do you people think of this? Do you think it's a good idea? You know, if you read the Samuel account, you don't get this blessing. You've got to, That's why we read the whole Bible. And I had forgotten that this little jewel was there of four verses. And, you know, he was winning the nation. That he was embracing them and including them because he had just taken office recently. And he was going to do something pretty big. He was going to throw a new tabernacle. And he wanted them all embracing the idea with him. And he, he put it in their court. And they, they probably thought it was their idea. Let's honor our wives similarly. A prince that wanteth understanding is a great oppressor. If you don't honor your wife... You are an oppressor, the the way the Bible describes it, a prince. God's made you a prince in marriage. You're a prince, but if you don't show the honor to your wife, then you're wanting understanding. That means you lack it, and you're an oppressor. The example in the Bible, which you read last evening, I hope, was Rehoboam. What an example of an oppressor. If he would have given just a little bit, if he would have honored those people just a little bit with a little bit of tax deduction... Revenues would have increased by the joy and enthusiasm they would have had for the nation. But he lost 83% of the nation. He lost 10 of the 12 tribes because he became an oppressor by thinking, God put me in this office, and if you don't like it, I'll show you who can raise taxes. I'll show you a man that's bigger than my father. And he lost it all. Don't be like that, brothers. Did you know that the Bible says that if you delicately treat a servant, that servant can become your son at length? It works. There's some saying, I think, that you can attract more flies with honey than with vinegar. I've never wanted to attract flies, but I think that may mean a fly trap or something. You can attract more flies with... And I don't mean any of you wives are flies either. See, this is what happens to me every time. I try to give an illustration or an anecdote. What I'm trying to say is, try a little tenderness. 
Try a little kindness. Because it works. It works. Did it work for Absalom? He abused it. But it worked. He won the nation away from David. That's impossible in my book. When I read through the Samuels and Kings and I see him winning that nation away from David, it tears me up. That little scoundrel who could be dumb enough to follow him instead of David. A little kindness goes a long way, doesn't it? A little love, a little attention. You know what? If I was king, I would always have time for you. Now here's the problem, men. You all got your wives by being that way. You all got them being that way. And if your wives were to die this afternoon, tomorrow you would know how to get the next one. But will you use the same methods on the one that you've now had for five or fifty years? That is the key. This woman that's now familiar to you, this woman where there may be a little bit of uh, bitterness, this woman where you're just going through the motions with each other, will you, from this day's preaching, go home and treat her like you were trying to win her the first time? What if men tried to win their wives like they did in the beginning, and wives tried to win their husbands like they did in the beginning? You know what I mean by that. That's a merry-go-round. I know it doesn't look like it, but some of you have been deprived in playground equipment. You can get it flying. It's dangerous. A real merry-go-round. Nobody can ever run that fast to push it that hard, but you can get it cranking, and that's a husband and a wife on the two sides of marriage, remembering that both of you know what to do to please a person of the opposite sex. Can we flush bitterness? Can we flush habits? Can we flush the tension? Can we flush the familiarity? I'm going to go home and really dote on her. What do you want to do? A little compromise and a use of love and tenderness can easily win the wife. Do you know how the Lord wins us? He shows us so much loving kindness and tenderness every day. What is shining out there? Every time somebody opened this door, I was having a conversation right here. When they opened that door, it created an angle that some incredibly brilliant light was shining off of right into my eyes. I was being blinded on the inside of this dull little room because the sun's shining out there, because the Lord is embracing us with His sunshine. He shows us tenderness and loving kindness all the time. If you sin this afternoon, will that sun still be out there tomorrow? That is. Will it still be out there tomorrow? I want to remind you, as, as believers and brothers in the Lord, that is a reminder that He is good and we better confess our sins. Amen. He is so faithful and He is so good. Marriage is so wonderful. He invented it. He's telling us how to have the best at it. Every man knows how to win a woman, but will he do it to his wife? In spite of years, in spite of bitterness, in spite of habits, in spite of her mistrust, Does anybody remember a couple's retreat, love the one you're with? It's a choice. Notice that it says in this verse, giving honor unto the wife. Husbands, it's a giving relationship from the husband. I thought it was a giving relationship from the wife. Well, it is in its own particular place, but that's not important today. Giving honor unto the wife. Giving. 
If, if a person can learn, if I can learn, if you can learn, that giving is more important than getting. From the marriage bed to anything else you want to do today, if you will give to your spouse, you will get the greater blessing. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Is that limited in some sphere of activity, or does that apply to wives as well? Giving is so much fun to give something pleasant. To give to do what she wants to do rather than what I want to do. To give to ask her to tell me what she's thinking rather than the usual of me telling her what I'm thinking. To give. It says giving honor. It's a giving part of the relationship. And real love is giving. And the Lord has made it in such a way. Let me repeat it. It's the red writing in the book of Acts. The red writing in the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 35. The Lord Jesus Christ has taught us, Paul writes, it is more blessed to give than to receive. If your love is waning in a marriage, if you do not feel like you're in love with your spouse anymore, it is very simple to improve the situation. Go do something nice for that spouse. It will revive the love. It is not waiting on them to do something for you. You don't even know what love is, so you have ended the whole conversation. If you want to be happy, and if you want to feel the revival of feelings, and you want to know the love that God wants us to have, go do something nice for them. It's amazing how it works. It doesn't make intuitive sense to me. I'm still that little boy waiting for his birthday to arrive, when somebody, some buddies, are going to give me presents. Because we're all selfish by nature. But to give, there's such reward in it. And the Lord promises it, and it's an axiom of Scripture, and it's an axiom of relationships. Honor your wife by, and give to your wife by nourishing and cherishing her. You read Ephesians chapter 5. To nourish your wife is to provide to provide for her whatever is necessary for her growth to be the best that she can be. That's what nourish means. You nourish children, you nourish plants, you, provi- you provide the light, you provide the environment. You know, I ha- there's a new big plant in the, in the kitchen. Uh, this m- yesterday, when I walked in the kitchen, there's a monstrous plant sitting in there, and I, what's this doing in the kitchen? Well, it can't survive outside right now. I was thinking, great. That fits exactly what I'm talking about, you know, to nourish to nourish things and to protect them from an environment that's too harsh for them. So it says in the Bible, nourish your wife, because I'll tell you what you're all experts at, guys. We're all experts at nourishing our bodies. We take care of uh, the house, don't we? We protect it. We feed it. We clothe it. Whenever it gets a little tired, it hits the lazy boy. We hit the lever. Whatever you guys do to relax, to rest, we know how to nourish ourselves. And the Lord says, look, Nourish your wives the same way. Then he says, cherish. To cherish is to treat something very special. And so we should cherish our wives. It says unto the weaker vessel, the woman is the weaker of men and women. But wise men should get a perspective for this. What is the most obvious difference where the woman is weaker? Physical fortitude and strength. Both active and passive. Physical fortitude and strength Active and passive. We could, we could also list that she's generally more fearful, more emotional or sentimental, more vulnerable to deception and so forth. But it's physical. She can't do everything that you want her to do. She's going to disappoint you. 
She's not going to look at things the same way or perform at the same level, so you're going to have a tendency to be bitter toward her. So we have Colossians 3.18. The reason I'm saying all this is intelligence is not really something you want to get into a discussion about with your wives. I would not want many of you men to take an IQ test with your wives. It wouldn't help you. That's what I'm trying to say. So I'm saying this. Don't think that your wife is a dumb idiot. I am thankful that at a very early point in my life, someone broke the rules in an institution of higher learning and pulled my wife's IQ's test along with mine and laid them side by side for a little lesson for Johnny. I'm not retarded. But my wife isn't. It was good for me. And what I'm trying to say to you, when it says weaker vessel... You know, we, we know that there is one thing, and that is full arm pull-ups. It is push-ups. You know, it is thing, you know, there's things like that that are obvious that our military tries to adjust for so that they can get women to qualify, and it proves where they are weaker. They don't have to do that on SAT scores usually. I'm just reminding you. So, you know, and every woman's different and every man is different. Some of you men could outperform your women on an IQ test. And if you're all feeling sorry for me right now, don't feel sorry. Just take one with me. Um, but but my, my wife really, it was good for me. It was good. It should be good for all of us. She's a weaker vessel. I hope that you enjoyed the teacup uh, illustration and, and metaphor about how we should take care of her. Here's how the Bible puts it. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 19. Let her be. Let your wife be. This is giving honor to the weaker vessel. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. A hind is a female deer. A roe is a species of deer. And they were captured for kings and others because they were... What kind of animals is a deer? It is not like a dog. A deer is refined... It is elegant. It is delicate. And they were kept as pets. Let her be as the loving hind, the loving, tender, little, timid female deer coming up and eating something out of your hands very gently rather than chewing your hand off and leaving a nub. The loving hind and pleasant roe. That's the Bible description. This little deer that was kept. You know, anybody been around a deer? They're delicate, they're refined, they're elegant, they're timid. And that is the picture that Solomon in his his inspired wisdom wants you to think of your wife. Let her be. It's It's an imperative construction. Choose to look at her like a little pet deer and treat her accordingly. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. That is how you show honor to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Thank you, Lord, for such a wonderful description. And as being heirs together. Heirs together means that we're siblings in the family of God. God's our Father. We're heirs. In heaven, we're going to be the children of God. Jesus is going to say, Behold, I and the boys and girls that you have given me, no, I and the children which thou hast given me, because there's no male or female. There's no man nor woman. There's no husband nor wife. There's no marriage. She were heirs together. Marriage in the Bible is called leading about a sister. 
1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 5. That is a nice description for marriage. It's a man picking another believer and leading her about in life because the husband is the leader. She's the follower. She's supposed to follow according to the six verses of 1 Peter 3, the first six verses, and we are supposed to lead her according to the seventh verse. So we lead about a sister because we're heirs together of the grace of life. The greatest blessing, the greatest reward, the greatest promotion, the greatest gift that you have or ever will receive is the gift of eternal life to have God as your inheritance and heaven and all things and the redemption of all your sins through Jesus Christ. She is an equal participant in them with you and together it's the greatest thing to experience together in life is to share the Word of God and the Gospel and the worship of God together. There's neither male nor female. Both are saved identically By Jesus Christ. Because we're heirs together of the grace of eternal life. Sharing eternal life and all of its participatory aspects with a wife is one of life's great blessings. With church assemblies the priority as they should be, one thing of I desire to the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. To do that with a woman is a wonderful life. We're heirs together of the grace of life, sharing the worship of God, giving thanks to Him, singing His praise, reading the Bible, discussing the Bible, listening to the Bible together, serving together in the kingdom of God, in the church of Jesus Christ is the highest use of a wife and pleasure with her. When the Lord shows you a doctrine or a verse or a word, share it with your wife. Enjoy it with her. That your prayers be not hindered. A wise man will tremble at this last clause of this verse, that your prayers be not hindered. You can pray as effectually as you want all other matters in all other areas. You can pray fervently in all other areas, but if you don't have a good relationship with your wife, if you haven't been giving honor to her, your prayers are going to be hindered. He's not going to hear you. His ears are not going to be open to your cry. His face is going to be closed away from you. That is a horrible threat and warning from the Holy Ghost that we have right here. In Psalm 56 and verse 8, it says that God has all tears in His bottle and in His book. All tears. If your wife is crying outwardly or inwardly because you are a neglectful husband, it is going to come back to rue you. You are going to suffer in this world and you are going to suffer when you meet the Lord Jesus Christ because you did not take care of your wife. I hope you saw that in Malachi chapter 2 where God says you've covered my altar with tears. That doesn't have to be outward. It doesn't have to be public tears. A woman can cry inside and God doesn't miss a thing. Just like He doesn't miss you holding bitterness inside. Just like He doesn't miss you cursing a king in your thought. Being under authority, a woman can easily be oppressed by a selfish tyrant. Let's not be such a husband. From their weak power base in marriage, they can suffer without much recourse. Have mercy upon them. Or God's not going to have mercy upon you. God saw those women in Malachi 2 crying. He saw their tears. He called the word, the word that he used several times, it starts with a T. Treachery. Describing a husband mistreating his wife. Now it was pretty severe in that they were marrying pagan wives in that they were practicing polygamy. That's pretty serious, but it's called treachery. And I just want to ask you, in light of 1 Peter 3, 7, and I want you to examine yourselves, I have to examine myself. Is there any treachery 
between my wife and me? Have I been treacherous toward her in promising her that I would behave such a way? The Word of God has brought certain things to light in our life and I'm not living them? That's treachery on my part. I'm treacherous. Are you treacherous with your wife? Did she get married to you expecting, hoping, desiring that you would be this and this and this and you're not those things? Give her those things. Don't be treacherous. It is the prayer of a righteous man that avails much. And righteousness includes how you treat your wife. If you regard iniquity in your heart and I've laid things before you today, God will not hear you. Psalm 66, 18. He that hideth his sins and concealeth them shall not prosper. Proverbs 28, 13. It's so easy. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's so easy to get your marriage right back on course right now. Right now while I'm speaking, confess your sins to God that you haven't been the husband or the wife that you should have been. And then as soon as you can get out of this place, confess it to your spouse. Let them know how sincere and serious you are. You say, I don't want her to know that I'm such a loser. She already knows you're such a loser, so confessing your faults is the only way that you can regain some integrity. Quit making excuses up for yourself. Come on, we can do so much better. Let's embrace the truth of God's Word on this subject and embrace our spouses. Husbands and wives should pray together, especially when facing larger than normal needs, because in Matthew 18, 19, it says, If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them. But it's not going to work if there's something between the two of us. Sherry and I for years have been attacked on weekends of communion. It's between the Lord and us. It was, uh, it was statistically significant. It was unbearable. It was very irritating to know approaching communion, something was going to come up month after month, year after year. And we would settle it. But I want to tell you that God is very gracious. And in recent months, in the last year, He's been very kind and protected us. Do you know that the Lord doesn't put a hedge about you? The devil has free access to you? Do you know that He put a hedge about Job? And the devil knew that the hedge was there because He told the Lord, if you'll take that hedge down because you haven't let me touch Him, He'll curse you to your face. I just want I know about these things. I know about these things. Drove me crazy on to know that something was going to come up to put some tension or stress between us when we wanted to be the very best together to come to the Lord's table. I know about these things. Let's let's blow them out. Let's get rid of all bitterness. And let's realize the devil wants to break down our marriages so that it will disgrace the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ, violate the ordinances of His table. Let's be careful with each other. Confess your your sins and your faults one to another, especially when it's your wife. Jesus taught the rule to correct all offenses before you offer Him any gift in Matthew chapter 5. If you know that anyone has an offense with you, put your gift down and don't take it to the altar. Go find that person and settle it. Then the two of you can go get that gift and give it to the Lord with bitterness, stress, offenses, whatever, resolved. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul taught the rule to never let the sun go down on your wrath. 
I'm dealing with the clause right now that your prayers be not hindered. Paul taught, never let the sun go down upon your wrath because it gives place to the devil. There's one person in your life that is always available when the sun goes down, and it's your spouse. It may be hard to get in contact with someone else at that point in time, but every night you have a choice. You have an opportunity for you to make things right with your spouse when you go to bed. It's a rule of the Word of God. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. A night spent angry in bed with a woman is one of life's stupidest and cruelest events. Anyone ever done it before? Don't raise your hands. Anyone ever done it before? Angry with your spouse. You're both in bed, in a bedroom, where you've dreamed of being, and you're angry with each other. And you lie there, the big macho man. If she was a real woman, she'd roll over and apologize for offending me. She's lying there. If he was a real man, he'd roll over and apologize to me so that we wouldn't be like this in bed. And so what do the two selfish creatures do in bed? They turn the other way and face two opposing walls so that there's now a marriage that's worse than Ahab and Jezebel. It's a marriage of two Ahabs. Because for those of you who have read the Bible, Ahab wouldn't eat and turned his face to the wall. Ever been there? Don't. So the Lord says if it ever gets like that, your prayers are going to be hindered. I'm not going to hear you. Getting started is more an instant act of your will right now to want to do what is right than a gradual change in conduct. If you believe the Scriptures acknowledge that God is right in these things, thank God for the woman He gave you. Remember, you did choose her. And build her up. Confess to God and your wife any lack of patience, tenderness, communication in your marriage. Remember that your wife receives reassurance for living from your verbal praise. Your wife craves public and private affection and praise. Love her and give it to her. She may not respond immediately. You may have hurt her. You may have hurt her for years because you've hardened her against you. Leader, teacher, defender, praise her, honor her, talk to her, and love her. Make your marriage the best in the church for God's glory and the profit of everyone around us. Wives, if you'll do the same, if husbands, you'll do what we've just covered. Next Sunday, we can go to 1 Peter 3.8, where we can get a finally that we're all supposed to be getting along with each other rather than these specific relationships. But we can have a merry-go-round, and I mean the emphasis is on the merry, M-E-R-R-Y. We can have a merry-go-round that's really cranking. If both husband and wife will do what the Lord is looking for, He will bless you. He will, he will bless you in Eden, in paradise. God made a man and a woman, and they had him. What a triangle. A man with his wife, a wife with her husband, and the Lord. What a great relationship. Yes, the woman sinned, and so the man becomes the head of the woman, Christ the head of the man, and God the head of Christ. But it's a wonderful thing that we can have. God's just told us how to do it in the New Testament in 1 Peter 3, 7. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word, the profit of your marriages, and the profit of our church, and the glory of God.